We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Inside Golf Podcast is brought to you by RickRunGood.com. All of the stats, tools, and info that I'll be referencing on the podcast can be found over at RickRunGood.com. Now is an incredible time to sign up. It is Players' Championship Week. If you are a listener of this podcast and aren't a member of rickrungood.com, I would highly encourage you to check it out this week. Just try out the weekly pass. Fool around with it. It is $7 this week uh, to get all of the tools, all of my premium articles, including my in-depth course breakdown, which essentially takes this podcast and goes far more in depth in terms of how and what players actually rate out in certain stat categories, my full model inputs, and so much more. Not to mention my DraftKings final thoughts article on Wednesday, where you will get my core four, a full breakdown of the weather, which is going to be very important this week. Most likely, if you remember this tournament last year, uh, weather played a massive role and we break it all down in that Wednesday article and ownership projections and breakdown for every range, which again, of course, is incredibly important. And I put a lot of time and effort into that as well. Plus access to me for any questions that you might have throughout the week who to play who not to play for all of that stuff this week you can hit me up in the rick run good slack channel i don't do twitter dms uh but i am checking that rick run good slack channel for questions constantly so give it a shot players championship week and make sure to type in Andy in the coupon code section when you sign up. That is the important part. If you want to help me out, it means so much more than you know. Helps me out greatly when you use that code. It's right there under coupon code when you are filling out your info. But if you can't find it for whatever reason, just DM me and you'll be accounted for. And I will have Rick email you the invite to the Slack channel where you will be able to reach me. So sign up today. This is obviously one of the biggest weeks of the year. You guys know I'm not a huge um, smash the like button guy. I'm really proud that I don't have to do a bunch of giveaways and constantly 
be telling you guys to like and subscribe during every single podcast. Um, I find that stuff a little bit distasteful after a certain point. And I'm really proud that I've been able to grow this thing completely organically um, with a devoted listener base. But this is like one of the five weeks of the year where I really have the opportunity to hopefully get some more people to find and check out the podcast. So if you have five minutes out of your week uh, and you want to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or retweet this show on Twitter, um, on weeks like this, it really matters and means a lot to me. Um, The research that I do for this podcast, as I'm sure you can imagine, takes a really long time. Uh, But when I first signed on with Rick to work full time with him, one of the things that I was adamant about was that uh, the podcast always stayed free. So again, there are like five weeks out of the year where I even bring up uh, promoting this thing or uh, ask you guys to help me out. But if this podcast helps you out, in any way in terms of information or research or whatever, uh, leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, telling a friend, retweeting the show on Twitter, uh, it helps me out so much more than you know. So thank you guys again for all of the continued support. Uh, It goes a long way. All right, the Players' Championship. This has been the flagship events on the PGA Tour uh, for decades. It began in 1974, and last year, the 2021 Players' Championship featured the largest purse in golf history, $20 million, which these days on the PGA Tour feels like just another week. At the time, it shattered the previous record of last year's U.S. Open at $12.5 million. So this year, uh, I believe the purse is even bigger than $20 million, which means that it is breaking its own record as the largest purse in golf history again. So a lot of money on the line this week. This is a massive one-and-done week. Look, you are still in this thing. Uh, If you have had no success thus far, I would say this is really your last opportunity to get back in the mix. Um, You got to nail this one if you're behind. But I do think that if you are behind and things have gone pretty tough for you in the one and done streets, I do think if you nail this one, you're still in it. Um, I have a pretty good sense of who I'm taking, but yeah, this is a pretty big uh, make or break for one and done. I would say this tournament is really going to define your season in that sense. Uh, Traditionally, this is the strongest field of the year. I say that normally I would say that including the majors, but it's not. Uh, the strongest field of the year anymore because of Lev. Um, You still have 154 of the best players in the world, but you do not have the Lev players. Um, So I can no longer say this is 
This is the strongest field of the year. That is now reserved for the majors, which will have the live players in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of the live guys, we've got everyone this week. Um, not including our defending champion, Cam Smith, which is a shame because it is really fun to watch him play this golf course uh, last year in a somewhat unconventional way. I mean, he lost like five strokes off the tee last year and still won the tournament. But speaking of unconventional, only four of the last 10 winners of this event have been below 30 to one, which is not exactly what you would expect for a tournament that features all of the elite players all in one spot. And I think the reason for that is that the players is just a really variable tournament. Uh, water comes into play on, I believe, 17 holes. So I actually wouldn't be afraid to take some shots down the board here. I mean, Siwoo Kim won this tournament at 500 to one, Tim Clark, 100 to one, Webb, uh, at the time that he won was a hundred to one and Martin Keimer even wasn't really in great form at the time either. He was 90 to one. So I know that we've got most of the best players in the world here, but I think this is a tournament where there's a lot more variance involved here than at a major championship. And I don't know. I think that a, let's say like a Tom Hoagie, or a Corey Connors has a far higher likelihood to win the players than they do the U.S. Open or PGA Championship or Masters. We've we've actually seen a lot of guys come from that 40 to 100 middle range here and win, which is awesome because that is the range that I personally love to bet. So uh, don't necessarily feel like you need to go super top-heavy this week. I mean, you absolutely can, but there is a lot of variance at this tournament, and it is not the type of course where a John Rahm or a Rory McIlroy are starting on second base before they even tee it up. So let's talk about the course. TPC Sawgrass, uh, it is a par 72, tipping out to 7,256 yards. It was designed by Pete Dye in 1980 and is believed by most to be Pete Dye's masterpiece, we'll say. Uh, there was a 2016 renovation where he made some changes with Steve Wensloff, which I can talk about a little bit as well. The greens are 5,500 square feet on average with Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass overseeded with Poa Trivialis and Belt Velvet Bent grass. So you get that overseeded Bermuda again. The fairways are Celebration Bermuda grass overseeded with Champion Fine Ryegrass. The rough is Celebration Bermuda grass overseeded with Champion Ryegrass measuring 2.5 inches. We have 88 bunkers on this course. Water comes into play on 17 holes. A big thing to note as well, this tournament was typically played in May before moving to March in 2019. Uh, And for the last four years now, it has played in March, uh, which is why we get the overseed. 
Um, so let me run through some of the changes from the 2017 redesign. And this is the type of stuff that um, I don't think enough people are going to be talking about. But the course actually got 26 yards shorter, uh, which comes mainly from the 12th hole, which was changed from a 358-yard short par 4 into a drivable 302-yard par 4. So they wanted a drivable par 4 coming down the stretch, and they got one with the 14th hole, which I would say is not the best drivable par 4. It's The, the strategy is, is pretty homogenous. To me, it's more like a super, super long par 3. Um, but again, they made this change basically so the course could have a drivable par four that would actually encourage all players to go for it down the stretch. Um, and I guess they succeeded in that. I don't know if they succeeded in creating an interesting golf hole, but they certainly succeeded in creating a hole where players are going to try and drive the green. Uh, the 7th and 15th holes were also slightly lengthened. They removed uh, a bunch of spectator mounds between the 6th and the 7th holes. They put in more water, which is really just, you know, more for intimidation on the tee shot on those holes. All of the bunkers were rebuilt. The greens got bigger on the 1st, 4th, 8th, 9th, 13th, 11th, and 14th holes. All of those green complexes got modified. Um, I already talked about the agronomy change with the overseed, uh, which is really the biggest of all of the changes is, is the overseed. Um, and a lot of this was done so the PGA Tour could completely control the conditions of this course. Um, they made a switch to a much more consistent and less granular strain of Bermuda. So essentially they can really manage this course however they want, regardless of the conditions. And generally it seems like they are looking for a target score between 10 and 18 under par. And, you know, there again, there'll be some weather and wind involved, but I think that's probably what we can expect. Again, Camp Smith won this tournament at 13 under par, even though at some points we had some pretty crazy weather conditions. Uh, one other important thing to note about course history that I would be careful with is, again, the schedule, right? So, like, the the golf course that these guys played in May in, like, 2017 and 16 and 15 before the overseed and uh, the renovation is, you know, a lot different than the golf course that they see today. Um, so, you know, this time of year playing golf in Florida, this time of year is why you get the rye and the fescue now, not just in the greens, but also in the fairways and rough. So the entire, the entire course is overseeded in some sense. It's not just the greens. Uh, now what does this all mean? Uh, in my opinion, uh, Rory talked about this a little bit, but Again, this is a much more manageable and variable rough than a true Bermuda, in my opinion. Um, I think that there's actually less penalty now for not driving the ball in play. Again, we saw, or when I not in play, but but in the in the rough, we saw Cam Smith lose 
five strokes off the tee here last year, and that's because with the overseed, the rough is a little bit more consistent than some of that, you know, really sticky Florida Bermuda rough that this course used to have in the past. There's a little bit less guesswork involved uh, with the overseed. It's still incredibly important to hit fairways, but I do think once you throw a little bit of ryegrass and fescue in the mix, you are able to control your ball just a little bit more out of the rough and on some of those shots around the greens as well. So I say all of this just to say uh, you want, I wouldn't spend too much time over analyzing anything that really happened before 2019 different green complexes, different time of year, different conditions, different agronomy, different rough. Um, That stuff will get swept under the rug, but I really do think it does matter. And before we get into the stats, uh, there were a few kind of player quotes that stood out to me that I'll paraphrase here. Webb Simpson basically talked about how he doesn't feel like TPC Sawgrass gives uh, a particular uh, type of golfer any specific advantage. Um, And I would generally agree with that. I I talked about a little bit earlier alluding to how, you know, there's certain courses on the PGA Tour a la Bay Hill a little bit, Torrey Pines certainly, where guys like Roy McIlroy and John Rahm have such a built-in advantage before they even tee off because of how good they are with a long iron in their hands and um, how good they are at driving the ball long and straight. And TPC Sawgrass doesn't really give you that built-in advantage. You actually don't need to hit driver at all. There's an opportunity to hit a lot of different clubs off the tee here. And and one thing that I think Pete Dye does well is I think he creates – really interesting golf courses off the tee. Um, I think there's a really good golf course off the tee and players have talked about and, and just watching videos before about players really breaking down TPC Sawgrass. Like there's a lot of um, strategy involved on the tee shots here. He really makes you think like if you're going to play aggressively off the tee here, if you are not completely dialed in with your driver, there's going to be a price to play, pay, right? Also, and if you are super, super conservative, right, and you take the strategy off the tee that leaves you some longer approach shots, you're going to pay the price as well on your second shot coming into these greens. So that's kind of the the temptation of Pete Dye courses, which is what I think he does really well as an architect is he kind of he kind of eggs you to go for it on certain holes and and there's going to be times where it's more beneficial to play conservatively on certain tee shots and on certain holes where on the other hand like sometimes there's a big reward for taking on the trouble and the hazards and I you know I think that's Oh, that's a lot of what Pete Dye tries to do is he'll try and get you to go at certain pins. Um, but, you know, Webb Simpson talked about the reason why he was able to win here was he just fired at the center of the greens every single time. And he didn't 
get too overly involved with, you know, getting tricked into playing too aggressive or too conservative. Uh, He just, you know, played to the center of the green, you know, sometimes hit driver off the tee, a lot of times hit less than driver off the tee and kind of played within his game, right? The TPC Sawgrass is the type of course that allows you to play your type of game, right? If you are somebody that is super confident with your driver and believes that you can shape the ball a certain way off the tee, like you can play for that, right? You you can play within yourself. Or if you are somebody that believes that your strategy is more advantageous to winning, if you take less and driver off the tee and make it take a more conservative approach, you can win that way as well. And that's why we've seen such an eclectic group of winners here. I mean, absolute bombers like Rory and Jason Day, uh, a lot shorter players like Webb Simpson and Tim Clark. And uh, you get everyone from Matt Kuchar winning here, Cameron Smith, Justin Thomas, like all these guys that have different styles of the way that they attack golf courses. Jason Day, in fact, talked about how he hit a ton of two irons off the tee. Um, And when it gets really hot here, the ball goes a mile. So you can hit a lot of irons off the tee and still have short clubs in. It's not like you're playing a super long golf course. It's only 7,200 yards. Uh, Sergio talked about how this is the type of golf course that is asking you to hit a lot of different shots, right? Uh, It has small greens, so you are not going to have a lot of lag putts. And he talked about how it reminded him a lot of Valderrama, uh, which is now uh, on the Live Tour, but primarily was a course on the European Tour, and there's been Ryder Cups there before. Matthew Fitzpatrick won at Valderrama, and he was in the mix at the players recently, so that definitely checks out as a potential comp course if you want to look at some of the European players that have had some success at Valderrama just off the top of my head there's already that crossover that you see with Sergio and Matt Fitzpatrick so um, another thing that he talked about Sergio talked about how if you hit the green here you are often going to have a makeable birdie putt but if you miss the green you're gonna have a pretty challenging chip Jordan Spieth talked about how you have to shape the ball both ways off the tee and how there is a lot of imagination involved I'm actually like kind of surprised that Spieth hasn't been better at this golf course over the years because I really do kind of like believe in my head that this is a Jordan Spieth golf course um and he you know I'm recording this on Sunday morning but he's playing really well at the Arnold Palmer uh right now so that actually may be a luck Um, but he's talked about how much he actually really likes this course. It just kind of hasn't happened for him yet. Last year in extreme wins, or at least extreme wins for a day and a half, uh, TPC Sawgrass ranked eighth out of 38 courses in difficulty on the PGA Tour last year. Historically, it ranks usually between like, I don't know, fourth or fifth and 15th in terms of difficulty so it always ranks 
harder than tour average. Sometimes on some years, it's one of the hardest courses on the PGA Tour. In other years, without conditions, it's like middle of the pack in terms of difficulty. So it really just depends on how much wind the tournament gets, and that kind of really dictates how hard the course plays. I mean, there are definitely some scoring opportunities on this course in the form of uh, four par fives, uh, but it's just for how short it is, it's probably like pound for pound the hardest short course on the PGA Tour in terms of the amount of difficulty that you get based on the design for how short it is, which is why I think it's, you know, probably one of Pete Dye's finest courses. You know, some of his other courses, uh, like Whistling Straits and Kiowa Island, part of the reason why those courses are so difficult is because they measure 7,700 yards on the scorecard. But what he was able to do in uh, create such a hard test with, you know, 7,200 yards is I think what probably sets TPC Sawgrass apart as you know, probably one of his best, you know, three to five works, if not his best work. Um, so it features some of the hardest par threes on the PGA Tour schedule, despite um, having, despite the par threes being on the shorter side. Um, the par fours as well, uh, some of the hardest par fours on the PGA Tour schedule. Um, and the infamous, island green hole the 13th um or sorry the 17th historically ranks as the sixth hardest hole on the course featuring a 10.4 percent bogey rate and a whopping eight percent double bogey rate uh the eighth hole another par three which measures 237 yards is far more difficult ranking as the third hardest hole on the course and over a quarter of all players make bogey or worse on that golf hole. So one thing that I found interesting was that it features, uh, in general, some of the shortest par, some of the shortest par threes. The set of par threes are some of the shortest on the PGA Tour schedule, but they are also some of the hardest. And a lot of that has to do with how hard seventeen usually plays, despite being a hundred and thirty yards. It featured the third most difficult set of par fours last year, and each of the last eight years, it has ranked inside the top 13 in most difficult set of par fours on the PGA Tour schedule, and it's been able to do that with only five par fours measuring over 450 yards, and and not a single one of the par fours measure over 480 yards. But those five par fours that play between 450 and 480 yards respectfully rank as the fifth, first, seventh, fourth, and second most difficult holes on the course. All of them play to a scoring average over 4.1 and feature a bogey rate over 20%. Uh, finally, the par fives provide uh, the biggest, you know, breathing room right they ranked 15th out of 38 courses in par 5 scoring average in each of the last eight years they have ranked outside of the top 10 in uh scoring difficulty each feature over a 30 percent birdie rate and the 16th hole 
one of the more famous par fives on the PGA Tour, features a 44.7 birdie rate and a 3% eagle rate, but it also features close to a 10% bogey rate, which in my opinion is a sign of a great par five. So you have, I, I think the finishing stretch at TPC Sawgrass really sets the course apart as one of the more fun, interesting, watchable tournaments on the PGA Tour schedule. I think 16, 17, and 18 are all excellent holes in their own right. So uh, the big themes before we get into the stats that I kind of got from how players have talked about this course, you've got to be a little creative here. You are going to hit some different shots, especially if you are missing the greens. It is not a track man golf course you can probably win here without hitting driver once uh and you can win here hitting driver a ton and taking a very aggressive approach as well it's a very deceptive course uh where you really have to think your way around it um and if you are playing well uh a little bit unlike the honda and the api um you can go low here uh, like that's kind of, I think the difference between Sawgrass and what we saw at PGA national and Bay Hill the last two weeks is that at Sawgrass, you know, yeah, you can shoot 67 or 76, 77 easily the way that you can at PGA national and Bay Hill, but you can also shoot 65 and 64 here. Um, and it, there's a high likelihood that one of the elites is, probably going to do that in both directions right you're going to see this tournament always has a lot of elite players generally miss the cut this is a tournament where chalk kind of comes to die we have said about the players in the past so you are going to see some really really elite players if they get going in the wrong direction throw up some high scores and miss the cut um and you're also going to see some players that you probably didn't expect shoot like a completely random 65 or 66 here as well. Uh, so, okay, let's talk about the stats. So off the tee, last year, 17.1% of strokes gained at TPC Sawgrass came via off the tee, which is comfortably above the tour average of 15.2%. That number drops to 15.8% historically, which is still slightly above tour average. Uh, last year, TPC Sawgrass was the hardest course on the PGA Tour in terms of strokes gain off the tee difficulty. And historically, it always ranks inside the top 12 in this category. Uh, it also ranked second last year in average driving distance on par fours and par fives, which basically speaks to the fact that this is a club down course in a lot of ways, right? Again, like, yes, you can hit driver here, but a lot of guys are not going to hit driver and choose to really do what they can to play from the fairway. Uh, it featured the 12th most narrow fairways on the PGA Tour. They measure about 
31 yards wide on average, but they get narrower the closer you get to the hole, which is, again, is another kind of Pete Dye thing. So, you know, the fairways are much wider at the 270 mark than they are at the 320 mark, right? They actually shrink pretty significantly to deter players necessarily from hitting driver or basically making uh, the idea of hitting driver and playing aggressively kind of a more difficult proposition. So this is definitely not a course that you can bomb and gouge. Uh, I would definitely consider it more of a less than driver course, which bears out in the stats. And, you know, it's it's very positional. We talk about um, short positional golf courses all the time on here. But at the end of the day, like this is a true positional golf course. Pebble Beach, for example, Pebble Beach is not a positional golf course. You can do whatever you want pretty much off the tee and get away with murder on some holes off the tee. Whereas TPC Sawgrass is a true, true, true positional golf course where it's not just about the second shot or wedge play. And you see that in the numbers as well, where this is look literally the hardest course on tour to gain strokes off the, off the tee at. And, um, that's what I think makes it so interesting is that you get a guy like Bryson who almost wins here uh, and Rory has won here. But then you can also get a guy like Cameron Smith, the ultimate anomaly that loses five strokes off the tee and wins here. I do not think you're going to see that too many more times in the future. But um, I hope the fact that Bryson and Rory and Jason Day have had a lot of success here doesn't throw people on the scent of you need to hit the ball a long way because first of all, like those years that Bryson and Rory uh, and Jason Day won or played really well, you know, it's not because they were super dominant on this course off the tee, it was because they were doing a lot of the other things well also, you know, right? Like Bryson back in the day, I know he's been a little bit lost to time because he's kind of lost his form on the live tour, but when he has his best stuff, he can win anywhere. And he's almost won at Harbor town too, which I think is kind of the other, you know, really solid comp to TPC Sawgrass. Harbor town's even more positional. Harbor town is really like, point A to point B golf course where you can really get blocked out by trees. Sawgrass, there's a little bit more room off the tee, but, um, you know, the guys like, like, uh, Rory, for example, he played really, really conservatively the week that he won. And he's talked about that, how Rory and Tiger Woods, obviously, who's also won the players, like those guys do not get enough credit for Tiger's, the ultimate one, how conservative they are oftentimes in their strategy off the tee. Like you don't, I, you, I went back and watched a little bit. Rory is not actually hitting a ton of drivers on this course. Tiger certainly didn't. And the reason why um, these guys are in the mix had very little to do with certain holes where they were, you know, completely overpowering the hole and cutting the corner with the dog leg as much as it had to do with, you know, they were, of course, doing a little bit of that. 
but they were also hitting a lot of irons off the tee to find the fairway and position themselves in the fairway where they had a good angle of attack on the approach shot because there's certain holes where you know you can hit the fairway at TPC Sawgrass but are you on the right side of the fairway right so positioning here really really matters um and uh what else yeah i mean i have i just have even more so in my notes like be sure to hammer home the point of rory and tiger being super super conservative off the tee yes some of these guys like their driver is a weapon um but on this golf course Water comes into play on 17 holes. The fairways are pretty tight, and it's not a long golf course. So like I said, you're going to see a lot of players hit three woods, driving irons, sometimes even three or four irons off the tee on a lot of these golf holes. It ranked eighth in missed fairway penalty, and each of the last eight years, it is ranked inside the top 10 in missed fairway penalty. It ranked seventh in rough penalty last year and seventh in fraction of missed fairways that result in a penalty stroke. Um, so TBC Sawgrass is a golf course where you want to identify players who do a really good job of keeping the ball in play off the tee. And once again, you will see players hit driver here but I'm looking for guys that take a more conservative and prudent approach and looking for players that have performed really well off the tee on some of these shorter positional golf courses like if you want to if you want to look at a stat look at players who gain the most strokes off the tee at a course like Harbortown right like who are the guys that have figured out this way of being conservative on these golf courses and figuring out, okay, this is a hole where I can be a little bit more aggressive and kind of cut the corner. This is a hole where I shouldn't do that, right? So a lot of what I looked at, and I talk about this more in my rec article with um, kind of how players are able to gain strokes off the tee on certain positional golf courses, but that's the thing that I'm most concerned about here, right? Is like, what are the players that kind of have this strategy down to a T where they're able to gain the most strokes off the tee on these shorter positional golf courses? Okay, so iron play. Last year, 34.9% of approach shots at TPC Sawgrass came on approach, which is a touch above the tour average of 34.7%, but historically, that number rises all the way up to 38.2%. So over a larger sample size, iron play at TBC Sawgrass has been extremely important compared to other tour courses. Last year, TBC Sawgrass ranked six out of 38 courses in strokes gain approach difficulty. And each of the last years, it is ranked inside the top 11 in this category. Uh, it featured the 16th easiest greens to hit on the PGA Tour because it is simply not a very long golf course. Uh, yet in the same token, it probably features the hardest wedge shots uh, that you can find on the PGA Tour. It ranked second out of 38 courses last year in strokes gained approach difficulty inside 150 yards. And um, 
in terms of the proximity buckets, like it is really spread out at TPC Sawgrass. I really wasn't looking at any specific proximity bucket. It kind of ranks right around tour average in pretty much everything, right? Like there's, you're going to get a lot of weird, awkward flip wedge shots on some of the par fives that maybe you aren't reaching into. Um, you're going to get a lot of middle iron shots on some of those medium length par fours, and you're going to get your fair share of long iron approach shots as well on some of the par fives that you're going for in two and one or two of those longer par fours. So I didn't really focus my attention too much on any specific proximity bucket i found that tpc sawgrass was one of the more balanced across the board courses in terms of proximity uh so i mainly just looked at who are the best overall iron players right if you want to get more specific even more specific it is one of the hardest wedge courses on the PGA Tour. So if you do want to like identify wedge play and go out of your way to find like the best players in between 50 and 125 yards, I have no problem with you doing that, but for me, I just looked at general like approach play. Like who right now is hitting their irons really well? Maybe find guys who again have hit their irons really well on some of these shorter positional courses, right? Find guys that have done well on courses with smaller greens, right? Where it's really, really essential to be able to find the right pocket of the green on some of these wedge shots because at a course like TPC Sawgrass, you are going to have a 115-yard shot that is really not straightforward right like these greens are really well guarded with bunkers and i will talk about that a little bit more when we talk about around the green play uh but first let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, around the green play. So last year, 11.7 strokes gained at TPC Sawgrass came via around the greens, which is well below the tour average of 14.5%. That number does rise to 14.2% historically, which is still well below tour average, but a lot closer to tour average. And last year, it ranked 16th out of 38 courses in around the green difficulty. It usually ranks a little bit harder than that. Uh, And between 2016 and 2021, it ranked inside the top seven in around the green difficulty. This is a pretty tough course around the greens. I mean, there's really nothing that's particularly easy about TPC Sargrass. It's a pretty tough course to hold putts on. It's a really tough golf course off the tee. It's a really tough golf course uh, on approach, and it's a really tough golf course around the greens as well. You have a lot of um, strange, like little mounding and grass bunkers around the green that creates these shots that are really tough to practice right? Like you're going to be, there's going to be some shots around the green at TBC Sawgrass that you're just going to have no way of practicing on the driving range or at a lot of chipping areas, right? And um, it ranked inside the top 10 in around the green difficulty from the fairway too. So chipping off tight lies on, uh, you know, tight, firm Bermuda grass is not very easy. And each of the last eight years, um, TBC Sawgrass ranked inside the top 12 in around the green difficulty from the rough and the bunkers, right? So it's no matter how you slice it, if you miss a green at TBC Sawgrass, like you're going to be faced with a pretty tricky shot to be able to get up and down. Um, there's a fair amount of runoff areas. There's a fair amount of bunkering. And again, there's a fair amount of thick rough as well around these greens that have kind of again these like mounding and you know uh grass bunkers that have thicker rough and a lot of the times you're chipping like at a little bit of an incline or a decline um it's just pretty difficult so i the way that i am looking at around the green on this course is i'm looking specifically how you've performed around the green on bermuda courses right uh because again chipping off those tight lies on bermuda just a little bit of a different skill set than the way that you would chip on courses with different agronomy um there's no real way to kind of measure the 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 grass bunkers right and kind of those shots so i think the best that you can do is bunker play and around the green performance on bermuda courses and i have a fairly standard weight on around the green play i do think that it's important at this course as well uh in terms of putting uh 36.3 percent of strokes gained at tpc sawgrass came via the flat stick which is a touch above the tour average but over a much larger sample size that number falls all the way down to 31.8 percent which is well below the tour average so tpc sawgrass is far from a putting contest it is a ball strikers shot makers course through and through um it still features like pretty difficult greens like i think pete Dye does a pretty good job of creating 
undulating and interesting greens with some character. I don't think that he is as special or talented at creating green complexes as a Tom Doak or a Bill Cor or a Ben Crenshaw, you know, definitely not in the same stratosphere as any of like the all-time greats as well. Once you start talking about guys like McKenzie and Perry Maxwell and CB McDonald. Um, but he's pretty good at creating um, green complexes that do feature some subtle breaks to them. Right. And, uh, last year, TPC Sawgrass ranked 14th out of 38 courses in strokes gained putting difficulty, um, which was the easiest that it has ranked in this category since 2017. It generally ranks inside the top 10 in putting difficulty. Um, and again, the big thing here is the overseed, right? So these are the same greens that we see at Innisbrook, that we see at Phoenix, that we see at PGA West. Uh, they are not a true Bermuda. Uh, I will not be looking at straight Bermuda putting. I think if you want to get kind of crazy like me, you would separate the courses that feature this same um, set of overseed, which is actually like more than you would think. Harbortown actually features a similar overseed, right? Phoenix, PGA West, Valspar, um, there's a, I, I want to say off the top of my head as well, that the Valero greens feature a similar overseed, right? But, um, they are fast and they are firm and they run pretty true, right? You, you know, they the overseed takes out a little bit of the grain. So it's not kind of that grainy Florida Bermuda that you saw at the Honda classic. And even to a certain extent, the Arnold Palmer, last week these actually you know they almost look more like this really smooth almost like almost visually like back grass um and and they're very very fast um i mean they can pretty much be as fast as the tour wants them to be and the last couple of years they've had them rolling pretty true and pretty fast and when the pga tour uh, along with Pete Dye, kind of redesigned the course in 2017, and they made uh, this switch to overseed, uh, you'll see the greens look shinier, right? Like if you look at players' championships in the past, they look more like that grainy Bermuda if you watch highlights from like the 2000. 14 or 15 players right and then more recently in the last couple of years you'll notice they're just way less granular um way more consistent right um so does that neutralize bad putting i guess you could say so right and you know over the years especially in the past couple of years you look at the the leaderboards at the players and it's a lot of guys like JT and Westwood and Corey Connors and Paul Casey and Sergio who you know are not the best putters so I do not think that you need to be a great putter to win the players um but you know you look at the guys who win in Phoenix and the guys who win at the Valspar it's a lot of these same guys like Hideki and Paul Casey right um the greens are so pure with the overseed that, and you don't really have to account for all that grain that you typically have to do on some of the other Florida Bermuda courses. Um, so it's an important distinction that I think is really, really worth 
mentioning. Um, all right, scoring stats. So um, last year, TPC Sawgrass ranked first out of 38 courses in average penalty strokes per round. And each of the last eight years, it is ranked inside the top six in this category. Last year, it also ranked third out of 38 courses in reloads per round, which measures the number of shots per round that are re-hit from the same location after a penalty stroke. So just like the Honda Classic and to a certain extent, the Arnold Palmer Invitational and pretty much any course in Florida, this is a really great course to look at scrambling and bogey avoidance, right? You know, scrambling, I think, is a very useful stat on any Florida course because you're just going, guys are going to inevitably hit the ball in the water here. So I want to identify guys that can grind to make pars if they get derailed because you are going to get derailed on this golf course, right? You know, how did Cam Smith win the players last year on 18, you know, he hit the ball and he hit that chip shot in the water and he was able to scramble from like 40 or 50 yards to make par. You want to identify the guys that are the best at simply finding ways to make par when they get out of position. Siwoo Kim, when he won the players, was first in scrambling. Jason Day, when he won the players, was first in scrambling. Keimer was fourth in scrambling the year that he won the players. Tiger was sixth in scrambling the year that he won. KJ Choi was seventh in scrambling. Tim Clark, second in scrambling. Um, So I think scrambling is a really important stat this week. And then like any par 72, I would look at par 5 scoring. I don't think that there is a greater um, kind of distinction the way that we have at a course like API where the par 5s are so much more easier than the par 3s and the par 4s. But TPC Sawgrass is still a course where compared to uh, par 3s and par 4s, Top 10 finishers have gained far more strokes on the par fives. You really do have to take advantage of the par fives here because the par fours and the par threes, like, again, there's some more scoring opportunities on the par fours and threes that you'll find at a course like Bay Hill. But still, I mean, all of these par fives here feature over a 30% birdie rate. Um, what's interesting and cool about them is that they all feature over an 8% bogey rate and water comes into play on every single one of them, right? Uh, but again, relative to the field, top 10 finishers have really, really had a ton of success on par fives. You just have to score on these holes. Uh, so par five scoring is another one that I will be looking at. And then again, opportunities gained anytime you have a course which a lot with a large plurality of wedge shots opportunities gained is something that you want to keep you keep your eyes on because again you are going to still have your fair amount of wedge shots and they're really tough wedge shots so I want to focus in on the players that are able to generate the most scoring opportunities because 
TPC Sawgrass is a very variable course. It's the type of course where it's going to be a lot of birdies and bogeys. There are a lot of holes that present good scoring opportunities, and there are a lot of holes that are really hard, and players are going to make a lot of bogeys. It's not the type of course where you're going to see a lot of clean scorecards where guys are just going to make 18 pars, right? You want to be able to identify players that are good at generating scoring opportunities and being able to capitalize on those birdie opportunities, make a ton of birdies, and then be able to survive the harder holes as well. All right, course history uh, and comp course history. In terms of course history, uh, TPC Sawgrass is an interesting one. It actually ranks seventh out of 38 courses, the regular 38 courses on the PGA Tour schedule uh, in terms of correlation between course history and success. uh, It actually kind of reminds me a lot of Riviera where yes, there are certain players that often seem to typically play well here, but it is by no means the type of course that you can just show up regardless of form and expect to play well here just because you've played well in the past. Xander finishes second in his first appearance here and then misses his next two cuts. Uh, Molinari has played here eight times. He's got four missed cuts and four top tens. Uh, Rory has four top tens and four missed cuts. Sergio, Adam Scott, Justin Thomas, Hideki. Um, Those guys have probably been the most consistent here over time, but this is not the type of golf course where you can just expect certain players to show up here regardless of form and play well here. And that's just not how it works. And that's why I think this is, you know, you could make an argument. This is the least predictive course, the least predictable course on the PGA Tour schedule. In my opinion, this is the hardest tournament to predict on the PGA Tour schedule based on literally all that I just talked about with this course and the different strategies that players take, the weather, the amount of water, the variance. Um, But I do think that I want my players to have seen the course before, right? Because it is such a strategically sound golf course where strategy is, I don't want to say strategy is everything, but I want guys that kind of know what they're doing here a little bit. I think it's a type of golf course where you play it once and you say, okay, well, next time I play it, I'm probably going to do this a little bit differently and this a little bit differently, and I'm not going to hit driver on this hole, or I am going to hit driver on this hole. So I probably will be avoiding guys that have uh, never played this course before. Um, Like Tom Kim, probably going to be a popular bat. Don't love the fact that this is his first time seeing this golf course. Um, You can, it has happened. You can win here without ever playing well here, right? So Martin Keimer was, did not have good course history, before he won. Tim Clark had never finished better than 30th here. KJ Choi had no prior top 10s. Matt Kuchar had no prior top 10s. So I want you to have played here, um, but I'm not going to kill you if you haven't played well here 
in the past. I will kill you if you've never played this course before ever, but if you have some experience on this course, even if it's not great, um, that I will give some allowance to. Uh, I don't believe that you need to have impeccable course history to win here. It's, it's way too variable of a course, but I also think it's a really, really difficult course to show up and win at on your first appearances. Um, and then there are a lot of comp courses that I think are interesting. I am definitely not interested in that Pete Dye filter thing that people seem to do putting whistling straights and Kiowa Island these like giant driver heavy long iron ballparks that are so so different from TPC Sawgrass like saying that guys have played well at those courses and using that to find ways to translate to success at TPC Sawgrass I think is completely missing the mark um so what I would much rather do is look at specific golf courses that I think really fit the bill of what I'm looking for this week at Sawgrass one one that was interesting to me was I went back and I, I looked at my actual model and the one course that actually had almost the exact same model um, than the one I have this week for the players was Sedgefield. And I know there's been a lot of crossover on the leaderboards and Sedgefield, I mean, like it has less trees and stuff like that. And it's, it's probably more of like a straightforward course. It, it does. It's not as tricked up as TPC Sawgrass, right? But in terms of the required skill set, um, I think that Sedgefield is probably the strongest comp course, um, at least in the way that I'm breaking down my statistics to TPC Sawgrass. And, you know, you've seen guys like uh, like Sergio win at both places, Webb win at both places. Um, there's actually a lot more uh, than I had expected at Sedgefield, uh, but... There you go. That is the one that actually checks the most boxes for me when I break down the required skill sets that I was looking at. Uh, PGA West Stadium course was obviously designed to be the West Coast version of TPC Sawgrass, and it has the exact same greens. It has very similar agronomy. I think that one makes a lot of sense on paper. That is another course where you've got guys like Siwoo Kim, uh, winning at both courses, Harbor Town was the other Pete Dye one that I uh, that I mentioned, where extremely narrow off the tee, have to be super dialed in with those wedges. Obviously, you've got those guys like Webb and Answer and Kucher that have been great at both. Right, Kucher has won at both, and you know I I I like that one fine as well. I think. The difference is that Harbortown like really revs up the positional aspect of it. Like there's Harbortown is like you can be in the fairway and still be blocked out by trees. Um, and that's like a really, really club down course where it probably takes driver out of your hands even a little bit more than a course like TPC Sawgrass does. Um, but those were kind of the three big ones that stood out to me were Sedgefield, PGA West Stadium course in Harbortown. 
I think those are probably the best ones. Those are the courses that I isolated specifically in my model. Um, and then there are a lot of other ones that I think are like pretty good options. Uh, TPC Southwind and TPC Scottsdale are both golf courses where Jeff Plotz, uh, who is the director of operations at TPC Sawgrass, previously worked. And you can definitely tell in the way both of those golf courses are set up. TPC Southwind, a lot of risk reward, right? Not the exact same agronomy, but still uh, very similar agronomy in terms of the fairways and rough. TPC Scottsdale, also very, very similar in terms of the strategy with a lot of risk reward and you've got the same uh, superintendent that has previously worked at both places now going over to Sawgrass. So you're definitely going to see him, you know, kind of look at and think of a lot of these same holes in the same vein. TBC River Highlands is another Pete Dye course uh, where you obviously have to keep the ball and play off the tee and be super, super dialed in with those wedges. I know that it's a different grass, but as far as Pete Dye's other designs, I actually think that TPC River Highlands, Harbor Town, and the stadium course at PGA West have the most in common from a design standpoint with TPC Sawgrass. And then TPC Twin Cities too. I know that it's different agronomy, but and TPC Twin Cities is probably a little bit more of a driver course where you could be a little bit more aggressive with your driver, but the importance of keeping the ball in play off the tee because of all of the water hazards being so important at both places. And again, you've even seen like weird crossover on those later boards as well. Um, but those two courses are a lot more similar than I would have thought, TPC Twin Cities and TPC Sawgrass. Um, so that is it for me. I plugged all this stuff into a model. It is a very, one of my more complex models, which I typically tend to do on some of these bigger weeks where try and put a little bit more effort. I almost, you know, sometimes I fall into overanalyzing a course like TPC Sawgrass. I think at the end of the day, you want to play the guys that you trust the most that are in good form, right? That check some of the boxes statistically, but you know, again, this is a golf course where guys that you do not expect to miss the cut are going to miss the cut out. So, uh, I made the model, uh, and you can find all of the specific model inputs, everything that I plugged in, how players rated out, and all of the stat court categories that I am looking at. You can find that all in the Monday Rick Run Good article. But I will just quickly run you through the top 20 in my model. Number one is John Rahm. As expected, he is the best golfer in the world right now. Uh, he... I don't necessarily think that like this is the best golf course for John Rom. I just think that he is playing so well that at a certain point, like he is just going to start showing up 
and he went through a stretch like this last year. There was a stretch where it ha- it'll happen with certain players like Tony Finau. It happened with a little bit closer to the beginning of the year, but Rom is just playing at such an elite level right now that he is going to show up close to the top three in pretty much any model that you run. If I was running a model for Torrey Pines, he'd be number one. If I was running a model for Harbortown, I think that John Rom would be number one as well because you know for how great and powerful of a driver he is he's also incredibly accurate off the tee as well and has had some success on club down courses as well so John Rahm as number one and then here's where it gets really interesting for me um I have Shane Lowry as number two um I think this is a pretty damn perfect golf course for Shane Lowry and um I believe he's finished top 15 in his last two appearances here. So um, that is obviously partially part of the reason that he's done well. But uh, he is somebody that I'm going to be looking at very closely this week as I was surprised to see him rate out so highly at this course. But Shane Lowry, number two. Tony Finau, number three. Uh, Sung J M number four, who I have just been avoiding basically because this is, I think his ninth start in 10 weeks. I'm just, I'm not going to play him right now. <laughs> like he's, and I think he did fine at the API the prior two weeks where he was playing like his seventh start in eight weeks, his eighth start in nine weeks. Like he just, he finished like outside of the top 40. Um, I have to check the leaderboard, how he ended up at the API. I know again, he made the cut, but wasn't really in contention, but I just like, I, I probably am going to continue to avoid him until he takes a week off at this point, because the last couple of weeks he has had an alarming trend where he has started out coming out of the gates pretty well and then faded over the weekend, which to me can just be explained by pure tiredness. Um, Scotty Scheffler, number five, Xander Shoffley, number six, Roy McIlroy, number seven. No, no real surprises there. Siwoo Kim as number eight, little bit of a surprise, but, um, you know, Siwoo's won this tournament in the past. He is playing well this year. Obviously we hit him at the Sony open. So, uh, Siwoo Kim entering the top 10, Justin Thomas at nine, Hideki Matsuyama at 10, going to be another interesting week for Hideki with the injury stuff, because once again, he rates out really well here. I thought he rated out really well last week. Didn't work out. I was, I probably was way less scared of the injury stuff than I should have been. That one's on me. Um, we'll see if I go back to him this week, but if we do get some, some signs, hopefully from maybe one of the, uh, Hideki tracker accounts that he's, he's feeling pretty good. I I really like this spot for Hideki. And I know that just with all the stuff surrounding him right now, he will come in at low ownership. Uh, number 11, Chris Kirk, number 12, Adam Hadwin. Um, number 13, Ben Griffin, who has 7K chalk written all over him this week. I mean, just, I, I would be very, very, very surprised if at what, I think he's like 7,100. 
Um, I think Ben Griffin will probably be double digits. He has just been like a made cut machine and he's going to rate out very well in all of the models at the beginning of he's been in the mix firmly in the top 20 at Bay Hill as well. So it doesn't really matter the golf course or the strength of field. Ben Griffin's usually making the cut and he's usually finishing um, in that like top top 25 ish. Uh, range so Ben Griffin at number 13 Tom Kim number 14 again the only thing that I don't like about Tom Kim is that he's never played this golf course before 15 is Patrick Cantlay who uh, has been playing well and I think he's starting to dispel and debunk some of those uh, concerns about him on Bermuda grass he's playing well so far at the API um and, uh, you know, we'll see how he finishes out on Sunday. But I don't have that fear about Patrick Cantlay on Bermuda grass in Florida than I used to. I think he's, again, I think he's starting to debunk that a little bit. But let's see how he finishes out on Sunday at the, at, uh, at the API. 16, Will Zalatoris. 17, Tom Hoagie, who missed the cut in the most depressing fashion uh, I have I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but I have seen in a long time. Uh, probably will end up going back to him after he let me down in a huge way this week at the API. Um, you want to talk about wedge play, and this is this is just a really good golf course for Tom Hoagie. These kind of positional tracks, shorter. Um, I completely understand why he rates out pretty highly in the model. Uh, 18 is Brian Harmon who has had some success at TPC Sawgrass before, I believe. That's another guy that, well, I guess he hasn't been playing great. I think he missed the cut at API or maybe the week before. But, you know, he's a player that I will be looking at that I think um, from a course fit standpoint obviously makes a lot of sense and you might be able to get a bit of a, a break on him because of some of the recent form stuff. Corey Connors at 19 um, I've said this before, if there was ever a big tournament that Corey Connors is going to win, it's going to be the Players' Championship. Um, I don't see him winning Augusta. I think he can top 15 every year at Augusta, but I'm not sure I see Corey Connors putting on a green jacket. Corey Connors is live at the Players'. So that's a player I definitely will have some interest in. And then uh, Justin Rose at 20. Uh, who has won here before and has obviously had some success uh, at this golf course in the past. So that is my top 20. In terms of early leans, we're already well past the hour mark. Um, and I'll keep it brief in this section, mainly because I want to see how all of these guys finish out on Sunday at the API before I make some of these decisions. But I can tell... Uh, the one thing that I will say, I probably, I really, really liked what I saw from a ball striking perspective out of Victor Hovland this week. I tracked him pretty closely um, at Bay Hill because I bet him and he's going into Sunday with a legitimate chance to win. Um, we'll see how that works out for us, but uh, just looking at the way he's been hitting the ball, we're starting to see some of those gaudy ball striking numbers from Victor Hovland that we have seen before in the past. And this is a golf course that clearly fits his eye because last year he had, I think he gained like over 12 
strokes ball striking last year at the Players Championship. So this is a course that really fits his eye. Um, and I don't know what the number is going to be on him. He was, I got him at 35 to one at the API, but again, he was in contention this week. So unless you see him kind of fall down the board on Sunday, I think there's probably an unfortunate chance that his number, um, maybe is a little bit closer to like the high twenties, but I think you still, unless he wins or like finishes runner up, I think you probably still should be able to get a 30 on Hovland this week. And then I I would have no problem going back to Zalatoris as well. And I think that there'll, you know, you'll get a decent number on him because that's a guy who hit the ball really well this week at the API made the cut. um, But just the putting and short game wasn't there for him. But I really do believe in those two guys, Zalatoris and Hovland, as players that are really starting to come into their own with the ball striking and are really starting to show again some of those elite high-end ball striking performances that made them who they are in the first place. I think both those guys are two guys to watch that are sort of rounding into form in terms of that ball striking that had kind of escaped them a little bit for the past couple of months, and I think we're starting to see it again out of both those guys. So, Early, early leans, I have a lot of work to do on Sunday night to kind of figure things out, but I just, from tracking them uh, throughout the week at the API, I am very interested in both Zalatoris and Hovland because I think that, again, their ball striking is starting to get to the point um, that made them the guys that we have come to know as these two guys that have so much potential but have yet to really break through at the highest level. These would be, this would be that, I mean, we know that Zalatoris came through at a playoff event already. So, you know, you know, maybe you could say that he's already had that breakthrough big win in a, in a really big field. But I mean, you know, still think the players is a much bigger win than winning in Memphis and Hovland again is still searching for that big breakthrough win. Cannot believe that he has still never won on U.S. soil. So uh, those would be the guys for me uh, in terms of sleepers. Adam Hadwin, I like a lot. I already mentioned Brian Harmon and Tom Hoagie. Ben Griffin, obviously, but I think you got to be careful on the ownership front with that one. And I guess that'll do it for me. Um, you can find me later on this putt. We will be on on uh, Monday with uh, Daniel Rappaport from Barstool. Uh, got to know him a little bit when we were at Riviera. Good dude. Uh, excited to talk some players' storylines and bets with him. And then all of my usual stuff this week. Golf Digest, Odds Checker, Golf Monthly, uh, all of the Rick articles, betting preview with Rick, um, you know, you know the drill at this point for me. You will, uh, you will have no problem finding my opinions this week on the Players Championship. And if you want to get more in depth with my opinions on the Players Championship, you can of course hit me up in that Rick Run Good Slack channel. Again, last time I'll say it. Now is a great time to sign up rickrungood.com promo code 
Andy. You can get the weekly pass for $7. And good luck with your bets this Sunday at the API. And we will see you next time. Cheers. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.